the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. To say the shipping industry has a technology challenge ahead of it is something of an understatement. The development of low and zero carbon shipping technology must now be considered an immediate priority if the IMO's greenhouse gas targets are to be met by 2050. And yet there is worryingly little evidence that shipping companies are putting down hard cash to fuel the research required to drive global maritime trade into the next century. One of the few genuine pioneers in this regard is the Belgium-based ship owner CMB, which has quietly been developing hydrogen-fueled engines for some time now. Last week, they unveiled details of what they've been working on, and it's fair to say that their investment represents a pretty significant bet that hydrogen-powered engines will eventually displace traditional fuels altogether. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined this week by CMB's chief executive, Alexander Saviris. So last week's flurry of announcements was, uh, I think, fair to say, the culmination of a lot of work that's been going on in the background with you guys, not just in terms of the engine development, but you've acquired a a specialist engineering company and you've got plans to develop a number of other hydrogen projects. I want to talk about that investment. Perhaps we can start, though, by just asking why you're quite so bullish on hydrogen when so many of your peers are still resolutely focused on things like LNG and slow steaming and existing technology. What is it about hydrogen that's uh, got you quite so excited? Well, it's getting us excited uh, in the very long run and uh, also short term. Uh, In the long run, uh, we believe that uh, of all the alternative fuels that are available today uh, and based on the existing technology that uh, exists and and that can be applied on uh, different engines, Uh, the true 2050 solution uh, will probably have to come from hydrogen or other uh, green hydrogen-based fuels. Mm. The problem, obviously, is uh, getting to a technology that uh, works and that uh, can be fitted on board of our ships, and that's uh, a true problem and a big problem because we have very, very big main engines, uh, and we need to carry a lot of fuel with us because our uh, trips uh, on some of our vessels are very long. Mm. Now, in the very short term uh, and in the short run, there are some uh, solutions that we could already do today in 2019 and 2020 uh, based on smaller engines. And then uh, the aim is to gradually build up uh, and build on that expertise and build up the scale of these smaller engines into larger engines on board of our larger vessels. You mentioned the size issue, and that's that's clearly you know the big technological obstacle, I guess. With hydrogen, I, I guess the obstacle is that in relatively small volumes you can you can do things like ferries and mid-sized vessels but you know once you're talking about larger vessels and longer voyages there there just isn't the energy density in hydrogen as a fuel and the capacity of tanks to be able to sort of you know get anything long long distance i guess how do you see that you know developing well, um, I think um, the first thing we need to do uh, as an industry is uh, develop engines or, uh, uh, say, fuel cells uh, that can power uh, larger ships. If we have that technology, uh, then we can in parallel start uh, developing uh, storage solutions for hydrogen. Now, the advantage we have is we're not alone uh, in the world trying to find alternatives for diesel. Uh, I think uh, the automotive industry is investing a lot of time and energy today in uh, batteries, but they're also looking at hydrogen and, and even other alternatives. Uh, we've got uh, the uh, energy sector, uh, which has to find a solution uh, for uh, the alternative to coal and uh, ultimately LNG uh, if we want to be uh, zero uh, CO2 emission. So I think a lot of people are going to be looking into 
hydrogen systems and hydrogen storage in particular. I'm quite optimistic we will find uh, a solution uh, one day. I think the advantage of uh, having to find a solution for long-haul shipping is that uh, the task is uh, huge, immense, and so we can get everybody focused uh, on that goal. Mm. I mean, you know, a lot of a lot has been talked about LNG and the potential. You, you sort of almost leapfrogged that, and I, I guess the argument being that it's a, it's a bridging technology, and you're going straight to the end game. But given the lack of uptake on uh, LNG fueled engines, I mean, we've seen a recent flurry, but it, it's nowhere near where many people were predicting it to be a few years ago. Are you not concerned that the the pace of development is is going to be so slow with something like hydrogen? Uh, yes, of course, that's a concern. But again, uh, I need to uh, look at my own company. Uh, I can speak as a member of the shipping industry, and, and obviously, then I share your concern. Uh, Everything is going way too slow. Uh, but as a company, as CMB, uh, we're trying to uh, you know, do some steps, prove that technology works, uh, trying to find some partnerships with other people, um, and then uh, hopefully, uh, together with others, uh, that can be a catalyst uh, to develop this hydrogen story uh, faster or other alternatives. Because I think, uh, Richard, it's very important to say we don't say that uh, hydrogen is the solution, but clearly we believe it's the most promising one today. But we might end up uh, discovering uh, other technologies uh, as we go along. The thing we wanted to do is definitely embark on the journey. And that uh, I would invite all my fellow uh, ship owners and operators uh, to uh, join us on that journey uh, or join other companies that are looking into alternative fuels because it's only by investigating it, uh, investing in R&D, trying to find real uh, applications in the short term to find the solutions for the long run uh, that we'll be able to solve the CO2 puzzle um, for 2050. I, I don't want to be so crass as to talk money, but I mean, what you have revealed last week looked to me like a fairly sizable investment. You're right in the sense that, you know, you can only talk from your perspective, but it worries me a little bit that I'm not seeing more examples of such investment. Do you think the industry as a whole is going to need to put its hands in its pockets to start investing a little bit more in, in projects like this? I mean, can you blame anyone uh, that uh, nobody's uh, putting a massive amount of money in, into R&D after the 10 years of crisis we've just had? I mean, a lot of our pockets uh, are empty. Uh, and then secondly, uh, I think unfortunately in shipping's history, we've seen that uh, early movers and pioneers have uh, all the time been worse off uh, than late followers. So, uh, you know, I'm not pointing any fingers uh, and I can fully understand why people are reluctant uh, to invest more money to mm. new technologies. People just uh, take a wait-and-see approach. And then we have to be fair, there's uh, not that much money uh, in everybody's pockets and on everybody's balance sheet uh, to be mm. invested into uh, new and experimental things. This being said, I do think uh, there are people out there uh, that would like to uh, invest some money and some time to find the solutions. And the reason we came out with all these press releases is just you know, to highlight to our fellow uh, shipping colleagues, uh, you know, we're there to talk, we're there to work together, we're there to find solutions. Mm. Well, I mean, you mentioned partnership and you mentioned the fact that it's not just shipping that's looking at these solutions. And I think the limited success we have seen in LNG, uh, you know, to some extent was fueled by the willingness of Scandinavian governments and, and a few other governments to invest in the infrastructure that allowed short sea development and ferries um, to really take off. And then from there, we've seen bigger deep sea developments happening. Do you think a similar sort of uh, process is going to need to happen for hydrogen to really gain a bit of traction? Well, I think it's a, it's a good comparison you make, Richard, because um, countries like Japan and Australia, uh, only to name two, 
uh, are indeed uh, doing exactly that. Uh, if you follow what uh, what's happening on the hydrogen front in these two countries uh, only uh, this year and last year, uh, you will see that uh, indeed these governments, together with local partners, uh, are investing a lot of money and trying to create a framework that would allow uh, entrepreneurs, existing companies, uh, to develop hydrogen solutions. Mm. And I mean, on on that hydrogen production um, question, uh, looking at the press releases, I have to concede you were you were testing my A level chemistry in some of these uh, uh, you know issues. But I mean, the actual production of hydrogen is quite energy intensive. Now, how do you square that in terms of? getting a, a, a sort of zero, a net zero carbon solution down the line. I mean, is, is hydrogen worth it if it's not produced through sustainable means in terms of the, you know, the well-to-wake issue? Well, I think that's a very good point. Now, um, without getting too technical, you can produce hydrogen uh, from three uh, kind of uh, procedures. One is, uh, which is being done uh, worldwide today to produce hydrogen for the chemical industry through steam uh, reforming. Um, the second is by using rest hydrogen, uh, so uh, hydrogen as a byproduct of a uh, chemical process. And the third is this um, green hydrogen, which is produced through green electricity, through electrolysis. Now, I think it's very important to say that in every port in the world, every major port in the world, you will already today find uh, one of the three types of hydrogen, mostly the first one and the second one. So you will already find hydrogen to put into your engines. The question, obviously, going forward to make it totally carbon neutral is that uh, we will, at one point, have to uh, transform the excess renewable energy uh, into uh, green hydrogen through electrolysis. But again, that is a process which is very well known. Uh, it's not too complicated. Uh, and with the price of renewable energy falling, uh, you will get to a point where uh, renewable hydrogen or green hydrogen uh, is uh, at a cost uh, price that is equivalent to diesel or even below that. Mm, okay, but in terms of the the most immediate steps, I think you're looking at uh, the launch of a, a, another test ferry in the, in the near future. What what do you think is the next sort of tangible step that we're going to see in this this hydrogen yeah. story? Yeah, so we're we're working on a crew transfer vessel, we're working on a ferry, we're working on a tugboat, we're working on various designs, a barge, uh, every uh, ship type that can refuel, uh, say every morning or every evening. Uh, is eligible to be developed with hydrogen engines. And then we would like to gradually push this up uh, into larger uh, vessel types uh, that go to uh, 3, 5, uh, 10 megawatt uh, engine output. And then obviously the next logical step would be uh, to develop an engine which is even bigger than that and that could power a large container vessel or a cape size. Uh, but from our side, I think in the next two, three years, we're going to see uh, quite a few uh, ship types being developed uh, in the smaller segments. And just going back to the, the the question of investment, obviously you've put out these uh, you know announcements, and uh, the question of partnership and collaboration is obviously uh, forefront of your in your mind. Uh, do you, are you in any way encouraged by the the recent focus on ESG financing and the, the the apparent willingness of banks to to really look at the wider sustainable goals of financing within shipping? Do you think that's that's going to give it this uh, sort of production a bit of a head start? Richard, I think it definitely helps, um, but I don't think it will be the defining factor that will uh, propel uh, investment into this uh, space. I think people will invest when they see the opportunity uh, to one day make money. Uh, people will invest uh, when they are convinced uh, that they need to uh, change their habits and invest in a new technology. And people will invest when customers demand it. 
Um, and I think uh, all of that uh, is, is probably going to uh, be uh, much more at the forefront of our industry in the next couple of years. Um, but, you know, the Poseidon principles, uh, the Western banks uh, saying that they want to invest in, in greener ships uh, is definitely one step forward. Excellent. Um, Alexander Saviris from CMB, thank you very much for joining the Lloyds this podcast. No problem, Richard. Thanks to you.